Okay, y'all, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to uh, Poetry Podcast, The Flow of Life. This is episode three. I hope that you enjoyed this. And we was grown, but we was like just only a couple years removed from high school, you know, like four years removed from high school or something. But we was going back and giving our part, and uh, I never graduated, and Cootie did. So me and Cootie were very close. Which is why I was very surprised and upset that I wasn't in the documentary because I was there every step of the way. Everything I was looking at, I was like, I was right there. I was in the room. I was in the building. Oh, I bought the camera for that. Or I paid for the food for that. Or I paid for the lunch for that. So I was, you can imagine my my disappointment when I didn't see myself in there except for the very last moment. When I, I hit him, I said, y'all accidentally left me in the, y'all accidentally left me in the uh, movie, in, in the documentary, you know facetiously saying so. I like, man, what the fuck? How the fuck y'all don't get me in there? So me and Cootie did have a clash about it. Cause I took for granted that I was in there. I was so I was joking. I was like, yeah, hope I hope I'm in a documentary. He said, man, I gotta talk to you. I said, what? We were at the Soho house in LA. This is late January, early February before it comes out. I'm like, nigga, what the fuck you mean? So I'm snapping. He's like, we could talk about this on the side. I'm like, no, that's no you you gonna openly disrespect me when this comes on. I'm gonna be openly you know, omitted from this history that I was an intricate, an integral part of. You know, I put the money up for food. I put the money up for yay. I put the money up for transportation. Even after outside of Kanye, because me and Cootie was brothers, I would come to New York and I would not only just say, hey, y'all money ain't no good here. Here's gas money. I picked me up from the airport, which I didn't need. So I picked me up from the airport. I take everybody to dinner. Hey, let me look at your, your refrigerator. Cupboard is bare. Let me go ahead and shop. Let's go to the grocery store and shop everything you need. Sometimes I would stay in the back room. Most times I wouldn't. I was, you know, I was out living wild in New York or whatever. But I always give better than I get. But the scripture says better to give than to receive. So back to this part about this intern coming saying he's an architect. And Jay Boogie, which with nothing to gain, <laughs> mind you, which he could have charged somebody 150000 to be an intern there at that time. He could have been like, hey, shorty, we, we charging 150 for internship down here for you to learn the game and be around this power, you know, and be around this, this the printing press and all the things that that Jay Boogie had at his disposal. You know, we out buying cars and Range Rovers and buying our truck package. And we was, we was living, you know, I was, y'all know, I was still in the street and well, back to the street, because I left the street several times, tried my best to leave the street. Every time I tried to get into art, I would leave the street, and I wound up dead broke, living on somebody's couch. And I'm like, I'm coming from living, and I give up my apartment or whatever, and I come, I'm come, i living on couches and shit. Because I couldn't get, comprehend the money switch from legal to illegal or underground economy and how much money was available there versus... Uh, trying to do things legitimately or supposedly legitimately without the help of the infrastructure of Chicago. The Chicago business sector has never been a sector that supported his art as artists in the early goings. After you get hot, they run to you. But they a bunch of a bunch of these motherfuckers is hoes. You know, a bunch of these motherfucking dudes is bitches and hoes. I'm not gonna say no names. I could say names and they can't do nothing about it. You know what I'm saying? We run up and, and put some in your motherfucking face, boy. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of these motherfuckers hoes and do not like to see people make a come up, Smith. A lot of people with power are 
are not just power hungry, they are control freaks. And part of the control is keeping you away from the resource. You know, a person that benefits off of your blindness will never help you gain sight. So they like being the only niggas with some money downtown. Because they don't, I mean, and part of it is self-preservation. They don't know how you're going to act, Malik. They don't know how your boys going to conduct themselves. You might fuck it up for all black people downtown. But they also don't do the educational component. They don't give back enough to make a, a straightaway space for people to be socialized properly and in a sophisticated manner. So they don't support any of those programs either, but they also don't want to help you. So it's just a really, uh, uh, it becomes a positive feedback loop in, in, from a negative standpoint, from a destructive or disagreeable standpoint. So Jay Boogie was not like that. Jay Boogie said, yeah, who's this? He's, he could be an intern. So literally that day, he brings Virgil Abloh in to Custom Kings to be an intern. So I'm our, obviously I'm the per, one of the first people to interact with him. So you know, people are like, oh, John John, no, it's not how it's not how it is. John John, yes, John John got on it immediately and saw the value in bro. You know what I'm saying? But I got yeah, I got JB, J Boogie to bring him on. And again, nothing was in it for J Boogie. And he was just a good intern like anybody else. He was astute, though. He was a good listener. And he started working on a lot of primarily Kanye-centric events. A lot of Kanye-centric clothing runs. And at the time, John Monopoly had Hustle. So the company Hustle, period, was was very important. Hustle period was more like an event planning service, but he was going to do hustle sports. And I, we had Michael Finley on the side at the time. I think we had Antoine Walker working with us on that. So, you know, I have been in the clothing space and it's just a lucrative space to be in, obviously. So as that started to become more of an obvious thing that the Chicago was fresh as fuck, which we already knew you know, we had a couple representatives of said fashion. I was always known to be one of the fashion gods, so on and so forth. I was very avant-garde, very eclectic in my fashion, but I was I always stayed with some Louis, some Prada, some Gucci, the the major brands, Charisse Bacardi. You know, I would get on and I was heavily plugged. People say, oh, man, the, the Jordan started. But I was one of the first people with the Jordans. And I had to plug in with Michael Jordan. And also, I was plugged in with Brand Jordan. So I was plugged in with H. White, who's the vice president of Brand Jordan, who was the person that found Mike and bought him to Jordan. Right? I was plugged with Larry Miller, who was the president of Jordan, Brand, of Brand Jordan, or 2-3. I wore all Jordan shit. This was 2 I wore all Jordan shit on Deaf Poetry Jam. This is before everybody moved to New York. I heard Jim Jones say they 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 wasn't living in New York yet when I had <laughs> when I did that. They weren't living in New York with all the Jordans. I had all the Jordans. And Mike Phillips is my brother. Mike Phillips is my man. He is a brand Jordan signed uh musician. I did Jordan commercials. I did the Jordan mixtape. <laughs> 
the Jordan 17 in 2001 or two, I believe. So I was having the Mitch Matt Jordan, the Jordan before they come out, the whole nine. It was, I think somebody said, I get the Jordans two weeks before they come out. I was like, I get them two months before they come out because I was getting stuff out of Jordan's closet. So Jordan's closet is where stuff is special for Mike. He wears a 13 and so do I, which was very, very advantageous for a nigga like me from the city. You know what I'm saying? And I could go out to Beaverton and just kind of walk in. This when Jordan was still in the Jerry Rice building. They have a floor in the Jerry Rice building. So you do understand that revisionist history takes place where Jim Jones would think that they were representing the Jordans before me. And I understand it. They, they was living in New York. and But Jim Jones also, I held Jim Jones down when he came to Chicago. Also in New York, there was an event that it, the deck went up. I was there with some of the bloods from and some of the stones from um, from Brooklyn. We held the demonstration down. So, But of course, he interacted with them on a purely musical fashion from a musical standpoint, right? I was getting Jordans in the mail when FedEx was still stealing stuff. Like, whoa, this came from Beaverton. When FedEx was still stealing stuff, you feel me? They were sending me Jordans and because of you because of my relationship with Gentry Humphreys. You understand? G Money was the shoe designer, right, right next to Tinker, to Tinker Hatfield. So these is my people, right? I helped start the African American Heritage Month shoe. The first one, I was part of the design of the first very first Air Force One with the red, black, and green flag of the UNIA on the back panel of it. And they said they would never sell that shoe, but it became too lucrative, so they sold it. I was there in the cafeteria at the first celebration. The first celebration. Nike's first, very first celebration of of official commemorative and moms, peace be upon him, myself, moms, and somebody else. And we were in Beaverton in the cafeteria doing a presentation that became huge now. And I've, I've stayed working with Nike with presenting our heritage and promoting our athletes and our overcomers and our, our standouts in our community and giving them respect. I was there when they started with the N7 thing, with the Native American joint, because I, I work with the Native youth. I'm always at the reservations. Shout out to my people, the Potawatomi. Shout out to the Lakota. You know, I've been to Pine Ridge. I've been to Standing Rock. I was talking to Kyrie Irving a couple couple weeks ago about that, about going to the res and working with the youth. And I did fat, I did talent shows there. I helped build a suicide. I helped build, I, I worked with um, Mary Little Bear, Dealing with suicide, suicide prevention, places where people could come stay, lodging, where people could come stay when they got ousted from their homes. So, you know, I'm there on the res. I'm there with the res dogs. You know, I'm there with the shorties. That's the dogs on the res, too. You feel me? I'm, I'm really out there. I'm really in the I'm really in the fucking. I'm really in the sweats. I'm really in the mountains. I'm really moving around. I'm really a wounded knee. And then, obviously, we jump over to, to Standing Rock. Well, I was up there. You know, I'm up. I'm really there with Vic Mensa. 
You know, we we really there riding horses and so on and so forth. You know, I'm really there with some of the some of the young rappers that we fuck with. So I'm really at the gathering of nations. I'm really touching into my into my history and my heritage as we the natives type shit. You feel me? So this concept of being in it first, I was in it. Everybody at Jordan, at Brand Jordan, that was there, you know, Gentry, he left to go to do Nike A-line, to be the head of Nike basketball. Then he left that, and he has his own agency now. So Gentry Humphreys, G-Money, he created the Spizike, had the first pairs of Spizike, the, the red, black, and green Spizikes, the red, black, and green, and white ones. I, st- I think I still have the original somewhere. So, you know, these are things where, man, you, you look at this and you see this, that this flow, this connectivity, this internet connectivity is one. And if you have the lens to view it through, you see how these things mightily infect, affect your life, you know, and it's, it's almost like an antigen or a pathogen that's released when you have relationships. That one thing leads to another. One thing touches another thing. And all things touch the touched together I am I'd be sorely remiss to say that Mike's sons is my guys one of his sons Jeffrey who does spoken word who works with his dad you know a lot who was working at Nike I don't know if he's still at Nike and he's super cool with my young and Jeremiah too came down to the studio they, they mom Juanita who I adore you know I absolutely adore she has a nephew who's deaf, Charles, and my brother, my big brother's deaf. So they was friends. So, you know, these, all these things that you start to see in your life as you move and serve. People say, well, Malik just been blessed. He had a blessed life. Well, that's because I go out to bless people, right? I'm not just sitting around in my house catching blessings and, you know, wearing Versace, which I do. So I wear Versace around the house. I do, but it's because I'm finna go somewhere. Or I'm coming from somewhere. I might go somewhere. Sometimes I just like to be fly too, though. You feel me? Okay, y'all. That's it for episode three, Poetry Podcast, The Power of Connectivity. This story concludes in episode four. <laughs>